No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Welcome to another episode of the Life Huck Podcast. Brought to you in the middle of a lake in the Rocky Mountains. And with us once again, we have Sheikh Abdurrahman. Welcome, Sheikh. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hayyakum Allah. Jazakum Allahu khayran. Inshallah, unique experience, Sheikh. Wanted to, I, I promised you I wanted to cool things down a little bit. So it looks cooler out here. It feels cooler out here. We have a nice breeze, alhamdulillah. And we are in the middle of this beauty, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, there is probably no better place I can think of right now than to have a conversation with you, Sheikh. How's your skills, your boating skills, or your rowing skills? Uh, I'm below novice, Sheikh. <laughs> below novice. So you gotta bear with me over here. We're gonna go in a few circles, but yeah, I'm really It's not the best right now. I think the city life has spoiled us. You know, our our uh, rowing skills may not be up to par. But you know what? Uh, once you get out here, you find very quickly that you are able to adapt to your circumstances. Sheikh, how do you find the past, like what effect would you say has it had on our Iman modernization? The fact that we've adapted ourselves to live like in a modern world which is very different than human beings perhaps may have lived for hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? Definitely. Sheikh, I think, subhanAllah, that I can best describe this as being a double-edged sword. Yes. So, at times you find it easier to do certain things and to boost your faith in Iman. Other times, no. It actually is a distraction that takes you far away from, you know, the uh, essence of what it is to be or to feel and experience Iman. Things are so artificial sometimes, and like I said before, people look for instant gratification, especially on the media. So, I mean, social media. So, that's something I think it's always been in my mind. And there's certain times that you look at the haram, for example, which you could never have done in the past, looking at the people moving around in such a beautiful coordination, tawaf, sa'i, Allahu Akbar. That really is a, a boost of, of iman and faith, Allahu Akbar. At the same time, yeah, and he, I, I would say that, you know, it's a test as well because you want to be part of that sometimes and you'll do whatever it takes to get on yes. social media, you know, and uh, to have a big number of followers. You're looking for likes and all that. So yeah, definitely it is a double-edged sword. Could be for you and can be against you. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us that we would be among those who are successful and that this would not be held against us in Yom Al-Qiyamah. Ameen. You know, I find it ironic that we've worked so hard to establish these urbanized cities. We've worked so hard to establish buildings and infrastructure. And yet, like anytime you get a vacation, anytime you get a holiday, people want to leave. 
Yes. Isn't that something that's so, subhanAllah, like unique? Like you established all this stuff, but your heart yearns to get out, yeah. to get away from it all. Yeah. You know, to get away from this urbanization, you know? And, uh, you know, sometimes I think about it making an analogy. It's like you've established this dunya, but man, your heart's yearning for something else, Sheikh. Isn't that true? That is true. I can't uh, agree more with you, subhanAllah, definitely. Living where we live, you know, I'm from Fort Mac. And just to get out, I mean, maybe my condition's a bit different. Allah understands, so don't, don't judge by me for what I'm saying. It's a small place, I mean, uh, we don't, we're not even classified as a city, Sheikh. We're classified as an urban populated center, I think, that's what it's called. Uh, so it's under 100,000 people, so yes. You know, so whenever you get the chance to go out and enjoy nature, yeah, by all means, you want to go out and take the family, you want to be in the middle of you know of all of this, Allahu Akbar, the beauty that you see around you, truly a ni'mah from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Above and beyond that, you know, as we said about the point of you know how this can actually affect your iman, I'd say this is a good chance for tafakkur fi khalqillah to kind of really enjoy this ni'mah that you see around you and to be thankful to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for it that you have a chance to enjoy all of this, Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, and, and you know, I feel like, you know, because obviously, you know, human beings, they didn't live in urbanized centers, right? Um, and uh, there was a lot more interaction with nature, uh, you know, some of the challenges, forces that are around. And so it's almost like you yearn to go back home, like I yearn to go back to the roots, like when we were more in touch with, uh, you know, some of the elemental world around us. But uh, in the same token, that's what I was, you know, reflecting as well upon is that I think that's the same case with the dunya, right? Like we're almost yearning to go back to Jannah, yes. you know, the original, you know, uh, you could say uh, wonderland or the, the place of wonderment, you know? There is a statement for one of the mashayikh where he was uh, touching on a point, ma watanul mu'min. What is the nation of a believer? Because we know when you say, I am a Canadian, born in Canada, living in Canada, I'm a Canadian. Canada is my homeland. But when you say you are a mu'min, what is the homeland of a mu'min? And what do we yearn to go back to? And this takes us to the story of Prophet Adam salam, our father, when he was sent out of Jannah. So Jannah is our perpetual home, the home of the mu'min, the believer is there. So all that we do here is in essence azad to get to a provision to get back to our homeland in Jannah subhanallah whatever you enjoy here whatever you enjoy over here you'll see far better yes. in the home of the believer subhanallah yeah. Allahu akbar you know i find being out like there's a lot of little things that you realize that you do on a normal basis that you don't get bothered with out here. One thing, for example, is um, trying to fix yourself up in the mirror. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you're out here, you don't think about that really, you know, that much. And, I, you know, I, I, you know, maybe the sisters can comment on this, but like, I don't think sisters really would be like caring about doing makeup out here. You know, brother's not really worried about putting hair gel, you know, stuff like that. Like, you're not worried about those types of things, right? And and you realize, man, maybe all, a lot of this stuff is just adding a lot of unnecessary stress 
you know, to my day getting ready in the morning. I remember um, in high school, Sheikh, like sisters would take, uh, well, women, like, it was like the, I went to a public high school, so uh, just the, the girls there would, some of them would say, we take two hours in the morning to get ready. Like two hours, Sheikh. And I would say to myself, like, man, like, I tried to sleep to the last moment possible. You know, I might still have some eye crusties in my eyes as I'm like in, you know, on my way to school, you know. <laughs> I'm doing like the express brushing, you know, like not even the full uh, two minutes, definitely was like maybe like not even 20 seconds, you know, like just grabbing something and, and getting out there. And I was like two hours, like, man, that's like crazy. That means you're getting up at like almost five just to like uh, put on makeup and stuff like that, right? So. Um, I don't know, like, there's a lot of stuff that we go through uh, that adds this unnecessary, maybe the superficial stress. I don't know if it's as needed, you know? Well, what are your thoughts about that, Sheikh? Sheikh, the, the dunya has its charms, right? It is, no doubt, beautiful in every way, shape, and form. What you see around you can definitely become a distraction. So when a person يعني, becomes too self-conscious and uh, kind of forgets, you know, the asal from where they come from and they more are attached to the material that they see around them, then yeah, by all means, it becomes a definite distraction whereby they don't realize what is important. يعني. As for a Muslim, I'm talking more about Muslims here, uh, we do understand that our purpose in life is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But, you know, being young sometimes what happens is that some of the youth may tend to forget that goal that they're that they're serving, and things begin to cloud their cloud their judgment. So they look at the material life, they look at how they can actually, you know, appear more, I guess, suitable, how they can actually uh, gain more followers, likes, and all of that stuff. So, Subhanallah, I mean, it is definitely a distraction wherein it can take you away from what is more important. It's designed in this way, Subhanallah. The whole dunya and everything that we see around us. It's more or less a distraction. We have to kind of use whatever we see before us as a means to get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, that's why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Ala inna dunya mal'una, in, in his words, that this dunya is accursed because everything in this dunya can lead you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, it's designed in that way as a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you're unable or unaware of what you should be doing, then by all means you can fall short and be consumed by what you see around you. How often is that we see people, you know, chasing after whatever it is that they love. I mean, every one of us desires something of dunya. Mm. Some people make it an ultimate goal that I must achieve this thing. And then, subhanAllah, their whole life revolves around getting that specific object, some material dunya, and then that's it. Allah Mustafa. In terms of natural beauty, uh, Sheikh, which... Uh Places have you visited that you would say is like some of the best natural beauty that you've, you've encountered? Well, I mean, in terms of this type of beauty, this is hard to beat. If you can see around you, Allahu Akbar. This is like right up there in the top five, I'd say. You know, if not in the top three, actually, I'd say that top three. Other places, you know, across Canada, you do find beauty, but then the West Coast, hands down beats the East Coast without even any sweat, any broken sweat. Oh, you're going to cost some East Coast, West Coast. Sheikh, you're going to cost some East Coast, West Coast beef.
that's okay. You're gonna have all these Shayuks saying, uh, you're putting okay. down the East Coast. Do you know how beautiful, Wallahi? <laughs> the bluffs of Scarborough. Have you seen the bluffs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's okay, Sheikh. I think, you know, like we said, sometimes people don't know. So this is, we can classify it as a person who is maybe unaware, I'm not going to say the word ignorant, unaware <laughs> of the beauty of what lies in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's <laughs> well, one thing I could say for a fact is that there's so much, well, we have the mountains, like real mountains, yes. okay? I went to a place in uh, Toronto, and they, uh, it's a resort area, and it's called... Um, Blue Mountain, you know? Yes. Blue Mountain uh, is like almost like a, it's like a mini mini type of resort area. They have like a, like a hill, okay? It's like a hill that they have for skiing, okay? And they've made it into, um, it's basically, you're from BC, it's a poor man's whistler, okay? It's a poor man's whistler. And I said to myself when I visit, I'm like, you call this a mountain, you know what I mean? Your mountains are our hills. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, so like when you come out to the Rocky Mountains and you see real mountains and you see places like, you know, Jasper or the West Coast, uh, you know, places like Vancouver Island, uh, you know, all you know, the, the lakes of Saskatchewan, there's so many great lakes in Alberta and BC, oh, yeah. you see this beauty, like we were there just the other day. Yes, this as well, I'd say maybe the first, the best place. And there's a lot of other hidden gems across the West Coast that you can get to. Yes. And you know, it's my own preference, but overall, yes, alhamdulillah. And by the way, across the world, the places that I've been to, I've not seen beauty like this at all. I mean, uh, the closest I've seen something like this were maybe in Australia and Melbourne. That was nice, beautiful. Um, but it's not, not this natural. There's, you know, maybe I'm a bit biased because I didn't... I'm more Vancouver, more the West Coast, but overall, for me personally, I didn't like it that much compared to Vancouver or what I see over here, subhanAllah. Sheikh, would you encourage then, like, you know, we go on vacations all the time, so like Muslim families, like any other family, they like to go on vacation. So they'll go to Disneyland in Canada, there's Wonderland. You know, there's a lot of vacation spots. You know, people go to Hawaii. Uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of those like tourist destinations, you know, that people go on, and um, there is a big culture, I think, from uh, a lot of people in Canada to go to these places, like natural places of beauty and camp and things like that. But I I don't see it as big, maybe necessarily within the Muslim community. Is it something that you would uh, encourage like them to do, like as to go out and experience this nature, go camping um, and try to like maybe minimize some of these other more touristy things. One of the things that I experienced, because it's not like I haven't been to some of them, like I went to SeaWorld once and I just found it to be not as much of a pleasurable experience, especially for the amount it costs. Like it costs a lot, Sheikh, like to go in, parking costs money, entrance fee costs money, uh, and then the food there, you can't bring out outside food because you know how our, you know, we love to bring in our own food and sneak in our own samosas and like, you know, our tiffin with all the food in it. So they like have a security checkpoint, Sheikh, to make sure you're not bringing any outside food. It's like you're going to the airport to make sure you patch you down, no, out, no outside food because they want to sell you overpriced, greasy, cheap food uh, in the, you know, place, right? And the... 
uh, in the facility. So when I looked at how much money you spent, you know, for something like that and like how much money you spent actually coming to a place like this and usually you're probably not eating processed food. You're like maybe you're bringing your own stuff and, and whatnot. It just seems like a lot more, you know, satisfying, a lot more pleasurable, you know, type of thing. You know what I mean? Like what would your encouragement be in terms of like vacation destinations like besides this like coming out to places like this but generally maybe some advice to take your family good places to take your family for vacation you know yeah i mean possibly you can you can enjoy places like what you've mentioned sea world and disneyland and whatever else but then like you said these are very expensive not feasible for a big family plus you're not going to enjoy it that much i can guarantee you that People that are there are not Muslim overall. You're going to have a mix. People that don't conform to the values that we conform to, you're going to see it there as well. So it'll be kind of a disturbance. Plus, you know, you don't want to, you don't want your children to, you know, feel in any way left out of, you know, what they're seeing before them in terms of the uh, rides, in terms of the, uh, you know, the other activities that are there. It might be overcrowded. That's what I mean. So I would say, you know, it's best to go out in nature where you're free from all of that and you can just enjoy it for free as well alhamdulillah all it takes is to go here in the west coast and this is for the brothers in the east coast system the east coast here on the west coast all it needs pack your car up drive down a few hours and you're in the middle of wilderness alhamdulillah <laughs> and that in itself is a, a perfect getaway alhamdulillah where you can enjoy the uh, the nature the, the khalqullah subhanahu wa ta'ala you can engage in a tafakkur fi khalqillah and really enjoy what you see around you, subhanAllah, and be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for being from this ummah who truly appreciate the, the creation that they see around them, alhamdulillah. Another um, observation I'll share with you in terms of um, parents and children is that um, because it is hectic, like, you know, managing work life kids you know you're feeding them diet all that stuff it can be like you know pretty hectic at times and so you're always looking for shortcuts you know what i mean so it's like if you can put your kid in front of like a tv for a couple hours so you can take a breather and take a break you know people do that you know what i mean and it's to a degree you can understand it because they're tired maybe they're burnt out same thing with food like with food uh you know sometimes they'll just give them junk food fast food something to just tie them over um but where like where do we stop like just relying so heavily on things that are being so convenient and maybe trying to just slow the overall pace in your life so you can properly like feed and educate and spend time with your kids you know like i would say one of the um, prototypical scenes I witnessed of like just convenience is that I remember like uh, we went for with a bunch of uh, people for Umrah and then when we were flying back I believe it was uh, there was a family that um, obviously they were like going to be visiting like Canada they were probably coming in from the Khalij so what they did Sheikh is each kid like there was five kids in the family each kid had a bag filled with candy 
like, and I'm not exaggerating, like I'm talking about like a good size bag, like this, you know, type of bag. And so you'd have like, you know, they probably went to the duty-free shop in the airport and just loaded each kid. And each kid was just going to town. Like I'm talking about eating a whole box of chocolates. And then they're all watching like, you know, this is before, this was like a few years ago. So this is even before like uh, iPads and stuff were common. So they're all just like headphones, movies, and just eating this huge bag of candy. And we're gonna be on a flight, Sheikh, for like, we're talking like 10, 12 hours, more than that, you know what I mean? And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, man, like this is, <laughs> this is crazy. I've never experienced this in my life. Like, your kids are gonna have cavities, like, you're basically training them to be like obese, and like, uh, it, it just it felt like you're kind of setting up these kids in a way for failure even though you might be spending a lot of money on their education you might be spending a lot of money on clothes you might be spending a lot of money on stuff that they want but at the end of the day you might not be actually benefiting them uh, as much as you would like and I'm sure love is there I, you know all parents love their kids but I don't think they maybe understand the harms of that as ba as bad as, as it is so what would your advice be about um, what we feed and what we give to our kids, the experiences we try to give to our kids uh, in relation to our overall lifestyle. Because a lot of it is because of our lifestyle, like we are we need things to be done very quickly because we have something else to do or something else to take care of. And we're just so darn tired. So, Sheikh, uh, as you know, we do have um, within the tradition, the concept of always being balanced in all that you do. A balance, be it's struck in terms of your moderation in your faith, it's struck in, the, in terms of uh, what you eat and everything else. So we're told to have that balance in life. Balance basically would give us that success. And the Prophet this hadith, before I get to the words of Rasulullah, uh, as you're aware, the Prophet ﷺ had spoken to uh, Abu Darda who had spent, you know, who had actually dedicated his day, his time, to worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, basically 24-7 in the midst of ibadah, subhanAllah. His brother from the uh, from among the this is from the Harakat al Mu'akhat when the Prophet ﷺ had come into Medina, he had bonded the Sahaba as brothers. So his brother through this was Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu Allah. So Salman uh, went to see him and he gave him some very specific instructions. Don't get up from the whole night for prayer. Get up at the last third of the night. And he said to him that your body has a right over you. Your family has a right over you. So give, and Allah has a right over you. So give everyone their due right. So, you know, in essence, to strike that balance. So if we take that, that concept of a balance in our lives, what's going to happen then is that you know, when you go out for entertainment, for food, for whatever else, clothing, it should all be in the midst of this balance that we should have in our lives. And I think the more that we teach our children about the balance as well, that, you know, that would be uh, beneficial to them because, as you said, we don't want to set up our kids for failure. And the example that you gave where kids are just uh, going to town on a bag of candies, I've seen it multiple times myself, subhanAllah, where, and I can, I can see the parents' point, they're tired, they're t exhausted. So just to get the kids out of their hair, what do they do? Here's the TV, here's the candies, just leave me alone for at least one hour, two hours, three hours. And the kids, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh yeah, that's what we want. 
So then they know how to get to their parents. Like, okay, if we, if we behave bad and make our parents frustrated, what's going to happen then is that we'll get the candy. Right? This is the way to the candy. So there's, the kids are smart. So you, you've conditioned them to this type of behavior. That You know what? Okay. You want the candy? Behave bad. Parents will get sick of you. Soon enough, you'll get what you want. SubhanAllah. So yeah, I would say the balance is important. The parents' role here is to instill that within the children so that, bi ta'ala, they would not be imbalanced in their lives, bi ta'ala. Sheikh, do you see, um, I know it's subject sometimes to interpretation, but are there signs of the day that we can see today? There are many, Sheikh. Many, many, subhanAllah. In fact, uh, one can argue that the, almost every single minor sign of the final hour has come to pass in our time. In, you know, if you look at the minor signs, as the signs of Qiyamah are one of two, well, some scholars say one of three. So you have uh, minor signs, then you have minor signs that just occur, that occur just before the major signs, and then the major signs of Qiyamah. So, for example, looking at you know, minor signs, the Prophet ﷺ told us that his um, coming as a prophet was a sign of Qiyamah over 1400 years ago. So the Sahaba were afraid that the Qiyamah would occur in their time. That's why Rasulullah told them that if a Dajjal was to come forth while I am among you, I will take care of him basically. I will be uh, there to defend you all. But if I am not among you, then each of you has to defend themselves. So uh, all of this, yani, the Prophet I'm talking about minor signs consistently, continuously, led the Sahaba to believe that you know it's just around the corner. Whereas today, 14, over 1400 years after all that took place, people nowadays have little to no care about Qiyamah. They think of it as a joke and that, you know, um, it's not going to happen, or it's so far off, and yeah, SubhanAllah. So, yeah, it's all the signs, many, I can see the minor signs, they're all present. For example, one of the minor signs that has not happened, um, that will only occur just before the major sign is the Mahdi, for example, the coming of the Mahdi. And uh, that we have in the authentic narrations. So that's a minor sign that is yet to come. But you know, look at the hadith that we have in the 40 hadith collection and for Imam al-Nawawi, where he speaks of, you know, uh, the sign that a woman will give birth to her slave, uh, to her master. Uh, some ulama in interpreting that narration say that uh, this has occurred in the sense that you have parents giving birth to children who basically are so rowdy, so rude, who basically who put them down, who they speak to them inappropriately. And we, we witnessed that, all of us, subhanAllah. You know, Shaykh, uh, now that you say that, one of the biggest problems, and a lot, unfortunately, most of it is underreported. It's also one of the most underreported crimes in society is elder abuse. Elder abuse in terms of financial abuse, so somebody will take over the finances of like uh, parents or elderly people within their family and just eat up all their money and just waste all their money and put them like in like the most cheapest uh, like seniors home, uh, you know, those long term, they call it, you know, back in the day, what we used to call it old folks home. Now it's a nice, uh, you know, name for it, long-term care facility, you know, it's so caring, yet it's so caring that the greatest number of COVID deaths were in the long-term care facility, okay? 
So what kind of, and then they found out, Sheikh, do you know what they found out? Like when COVID hit, there was like certain facilities that were just abandoned by staff because they were afraid of COVID. And so they just abandoned all these elderly people. You know, so one of the biggest things actually is like elder abuse, like um, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's financial abuse or institutional abuse, you put them in these institutions and then you forget about them. You don't care about them. You know, there's been cases where elderly people, this is becoming more common, that elderly people, they die in their homes, okay, and nobody discovers their bodies for like weeks or months. And uh, there's actually services now that, you know, uh, clean up, you know, your, your, your homes. And like, for example, in Japan, there's services where you hire someone, you take like the elderly parent that was neglected, you didn't check on them, they died like two weeks you know, just the body is like decomposing. So you hire the service to clean up and disinfect the area. So now you can sell the place and, uh, you know, cash out basically from uh, the last home that your parents owned. So I think we see that, that like, you know, in terms of like giving uh, birth to your, to your masters and uh, the type of use, like there's just like using it, using it. Like for example, think about it in, in young age, they use them, use, use, use. And now we have this phenomenon where kids are staying longer with uh, their parents and then their, their parents are supporting them like in their 30s and you know sometimes even more 20s, 30s. Oh, yeah. And then when they get maybe to a certain age, it's not like they're taking extra time to support their parents, looking after their parents, uh, you know, uh, giving them the respect and you know, all those things, you know? that we saw the Sahaba taught us in terms of uh, how we should treat our parents I think a beautiful example of that was uh, the example of uh, Abdullah bin Umar who would actually maintain the friendship that his father used to have so the friends that he used to have Umar bin Khattab he used to maintain those friendships like give gifts you know maintain those ties of friendship with his father's friends you know what I mean? I, I found that an amazing level of like uh, care and honoring of your parents. Yes, of that even after your father is passed, uh, that you continue the relationships that they had. You know, the things that they cared about. There's a hadith that kind of fits in with the, what we're talking about. Where one of the companions said to Rasulullah Sallallahu when will the final hour be established? So Rasulullah did not respond to him because no one knows when the final hour would be established. This is in the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Rasulullah answered his question with a uh, different response. He said to him, What have you prepared for the final hour? That's the most important thing. I mean, we're here in this life. And we have to really look hard, deep. Are we ready for Qiyamah if it occurs tomorrow, subhanAllah? And uh, subhanAllah, we have to have that in our minds. So in that sense, are we ready? Ma so That Sahabi said, Ya Rasulullah, I haven't done much. And of course, they do much more than what we've done, right? 
I haven't done much. But I love Allah and His Rasul. So then Rasulullah said that you shall be summoned in the company of those whom you love. Anas bin Malik said that by Allah after you know the entering, uh, having Islam, the most beautiful thing that they heard was this because he said, I love Abu Bakr, I love Rasul, I love Abu Bakr and Umar and I want to be in their company on Yom Al-Qiyamah. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to summon us in the company of those whom we love and that we are among those who love the companions, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that we're summoned in their company. Ameen. Sheikh, if you were to advise your younger self, what are some advices you would give your younger self on anything, like not just Dean, maybe like habits wise, anything so like. So kind of embarrassing, Sheikh, but I'll yeah. tell you that if I was able to yeah. go easy on the food, yeah. Yeah. I concur, <laughs> Sheikh. You know what? Like, I was, I, I was never like. Um, you know, had any type of weight issues, but I did have very bad habits of eating, and that caught up with me in my university years. Like, after I graduated university, I was like, you know, it catches up to you after your metabolism slows down. So then uh, you find that, okay, wait a minute, like, I can't eat as much, and like, I feel not as good when I eat certain foods. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I actually remember, like, I used to, like, you know, and when you're a teenager, you eat a lot. You know what I mean? And it doesn't really like stick to you too much because you're growing and you're active and your metabolism is so high. So I used to have like these bad, bad heating habits, you know, like even in university, like junk food and, you know, you eat pizza and, you know, like a chocolate bar, granola bar, pop. I used to have like uh, coffee with my sugar, you know, like you would just like just really, really bad habits. And then when you get to your, I, I would say like your mid-20s, it starts hitting you. Like it starts catching up to you and you start getting like injured more. You start feeling more tired. You start feeling like, you know, you feel the effects. And then it takes a while to get rid of the habit and understand like the recovery process. Like even my stomach, I felt like, you know, some of the food that you would eat, you almost have to reset the biome in your stomach because it's been just used to all these processed foods and stuff so to tell you the truth Sheikh, i actually feel more energized and like healthier like than i did maybe 10 10 years ago 12 years ago just be, just by changing diet exercise uh taking out like sugar uh you know uh, you know as much as you possibly can uh it makes a big difference on your like your mental well-being, your physical well-being, like everything, like, but uh, that's one thing I, I agree with you. I would advise my younger self, I'm like, explain the reasoning why, even though you, it tastes good and you're not feeling like the necessarily the effects that you would feel by having that lifestyle in your 30s and and 40s, like, it will catch up to you, and you can actually build a better foundation for yourself. Even working out, like I had such a bad, you know like the, the bodybuilding workouts where you're just doing chest and oh, yeah. the beach workouts, those aren't functional and healthy for you. Like, you know, you should do more of the core exercises, kettlebells, squats, you know, stuff like that. Um, I wish I did more of those things because, you know, there were times where you're just like, you're into working out a lot and then you're doing a lot of stuff that 
doesn't benefit you that much in the long term because like you build that chest up it's so hard to maintain because it's not even like functional you know because in your daily life you're not pushing like 250 pounds over your chest you know what i mean it's not a, a normal function to do so yeah that's something i would definitely advise myself i'm in the same boat with you literally right now and also metaphorically on, on how, how i would advise my younger self i'd tell him like listen man you can't be like a warrior you know by just doing these things that you see like you know i think we got fooled sheikh honestly we got fooled you know how we got fooled is because the way we were marketed to that education wasn't there like you look at like a, someone like a Rambo or like, you know, Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, that's like the ideal way to get fit. That's not an ideal way to get fit by no means whatsoever. Right. So you get like a false perception of that. You get a false perception of like what's good food and you know, what isn't or what's ex like how or, or you don't have an idea how harmful a lot of food is, you know, like in terms of like, you know, whatever chips burgers fast food fries you know all that stuff what do you say do you think that has a thing to do like we are also a lot more educated now in terms of like what's healthy and what isn't and maybe that might have also played a role yeah definitely I mean, the thing was that when i was younger teenagers that was not that bad but going to saudi yeah that's when you kind of because uh, you're in, in the midst of so many things so you don't really it's difficult to kind of go all natural food there and whatnot. There's so many restaurants and you basically tend to go out and eat out a lot. That's the problem. When you eat out a lot and, uh, you know, the shawarmas and then the falafels and then the midnight snacks and that, that, that gets to, subhanAllah. So Allah musta'an. But yeah, knowing that what I know now, if I was to go in the past, it, you know, definitely one of the things I changed, yeah, Allah musta'an. You know, like... Uh, I, that's one thing I, I I think that they should change right away in terms of like some of the uh, options that they provide around the haram like and especially around both like both haramain actually it's very easy to find like I was there a few years ago with the family for Umrah and uh, it's very easy to find fast food but now that we've kind of cut out that type of stuff and we look for more organic natural less processed less sugary stuff. It was so hard, Sheikh, to find. You know, the only place we found was like, in Medina, like there's a buffet in the Hilton. So we weren't even staying in that hotel. I was just looking for a place that like, is cooking like not, something besides burgers and fried chicken and shawarma, right? Yeah. So we actually found um, like this buffet that would that's serving like just more of a, it still obviously probably has some stuff you know, that's not the most healthiest, but it was more like home cook, like, you know, you'd have some Malaysian food, you'd have like, uh, maybe some Turkish food, you know, things like that, that it's more prepared, you know, it's not just uh, quickly made together to for distribution, you know. So, uh, I wish that's one thing that they would do, because I remember like feeling like when you have to eat fast food, when you're not used to it, you realize how toxic it is. Like, you know, for example, if you take, if you cut out sugar uh, and you have like something that's sweet, it's very sweet. It's too sweet. It almost makes you feel nauseous, yeah. you know? So I remember like, I was like, man, I wish like they would have, and people would be less sick, right? Less sick if there's healthier food options, um, you know, 
there would be like uh, it's very ajeeb to me like to have like all these different fast food places but very little emphasis on a more healthier option you know for food you know like I'm you know like there's a big trend now for farm to table you know what I mean like if you can do in Saudi like farm to concert right you <laughs> we can do I think I think maybe they should invest a little bit because that is something that's popular you know in the West as well right but did you notice that too Shif? like there's not even if you wanted to like so oh. it's hard to blame you and you're like if you have no options you can't you know you have all the processed foods that you have and you know you Take it. You'll you'll take a liking to it. I mean, what is that chicken place? Tazaj or ma, no? That that uh, Tazaj. No, the one al al bake. Al bake. Okay. That, yeah, that's a mainstay. Yeah. I remember there's a brother who was with us, convert, and we would take them usually uh, with the dawah office. We would take them down to the uh, as we're heading back to Riyadh. We would take them to the uh, al bake. So then that year, I don't think we were near to the al bake station. So. We were going to go to some other restaurant and pick, pick up some fried chicken, roasted chicken they call it, right? Yeah, yeah. So then uh, the brother, he got very upset, convert, he's like, Allahumma al-bake, Allahumma al-bake. <laughs> so the brother said, no, just take him, let's go get the guy. So he wants al-bake chicken, subhanAllah. <laughs> Allahu Akbar. But it, it's, it tastes good. I mean, I can't eat it no more, it's full of gluten, but I mean, back in the day, that it, tastes, it tasted good. It was different, it was unique, and you know, it was just... Essentially, a chicken that's been uh, uh, seasoned and dumped into a high-pressure boil pot, and then you get that roasted chicken. That's what it is. Subhanallah. So it's not healthy at all. Saturated fats all over the place, you, and you it's know, harmful. I, I feel that our taste buds get trained for that mm -hmm. because if you gave it like alternatives, like if you gave alternative options, yeah. uh, you realize how more satisfying some of these more healthier foods are like you know we were camping once with the brothers and we went uh, fishing and we fished our breakfast so we fished for breakfast and Sheikh I, I, I'm, I'm kidding you not Sheikh this was fresh fish just from the lake just pulled out minutes the lake we put it like on the pan to fry it like on a little uh, you know pan fire Sheikh like we didn't we just had to add a little bit of lemon. That's it. No seasoning. It was the most delicious fish you'll ever have. You know, I think a lot of people don't like fish because they don't have it fresh. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? A lot of people, you know what I mean? Because fish can get that weird smell to it, right? And we we uh, we went hunting and we caught like um, some birds, right? And Sheikh, that was our dinner. So we had this and like, literally Sheikh, it's like a little bit of salt and pepper. It's like, it's fresh, Sheikh, you know what I mean? You, you, uh, right there it's killed, you, you, uh, you take off the skin or the, the feathers, you defeather it, and Sheikh, like, you just have it fresh, it's a different, different taste, you know? I think we just get conditioned because, you know, they design this food, it's designed for a chemical reaction on your tongue. You know what I mean? To, it's, again, it's just trying to get you hooked. So like these companies, right? Like McDonald's or Coca-Cola, why is their formula so expensive? It's because it's actually, it's actually a chemical formula. It's a chemical process to like, you know, uh, stimulate those certain taste buds 
to get you hooked, right? Even in a lake in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, live by the huck, die by the huck, and just when you think life is stuck, tune in to life up. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.